Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning, everyone. You're here with me, Ziaul Raushan and Dan Ko on your money. We're going, we're closing into the new year 2023, and that means new resolution, new goals, and new beginnings. That's right. And speaking of all things new, if there's something new that concerns almost all of us Singaporeans, that be the changes we'll be expecting in our Central Provident Fund, or CPF for short. Now, we've got a lot of ground to cover, so without further ado, let's welcome on the show Elijah Lee, the Financial Services Manager at Philips Securities, to break down the latest CPF updates that you're going to want to know. Good morning, Elijah. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm good. Good morning, Elijah. Great to have you with us. Before we get into the details of CPF, Elijah, do you have any New Year resolutions worth sharing? Wow, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's not something I actually gave a thought about at this point, though. Uh, we like to ask the difficult questions on Money FM. <laughs> yeah. So what do you have lined uh, up? Well, I do think um, I'd like to continue to build my CPF balances throughout the topic of CPF. I am self-employed, so actually I do not have a mandatory CPF contributions beyond uh, MediState, which is mandated for all self-employed people. But I mean, personally, I see CPF as the foundation of my retirement. And of course, I will continue to build on that. I, I've been building on it for many years now. So it's just a matter of just doing it again next year. Everything, you know, doing what I've always been doing next year. Yep, yeah, if it's not so, broken, yeah. if it's not broken, why fix it, right? We wish you Correct. all the best in the search for that resolution. <laughs> all right. Yes. Yeah. And thank you so much for that, Elijah. Now, Let's just get right into the heart of today's interview, and that's the CPF updates that we'll be expecting next year. Now, many of us would be familiar with the CPF and various sums like basic retirement sum, full retirement sum, and enhanced retirement sum, something which we'll cover in just a bit. But there's just one sum that most of us probably don't know much about, and that's the basic healthcare sum. So, Elijah, help us understand what the BHS is all about and the significance of the change that we're anticipating next year. Okay, so the basic healthcare sum is basically the cap, the maximum amount uh, that you can have in your MediSafe account. So there is an actual physical limit. So in 2022, the limit was 66,000. So in other words, if you had been uh, uh, working and you have your contributions to MediSafe and you've hit 66,000 in your MediSafe account, then any further contributions to your MediSafe account from work will actually skewer to either your special or uh, ordinary account, depending on the situation. So the basic healthcare sum is actually, uh, you know, used for all your medical-related expenses. So I think uh, off the top of my head, some of the stuff that you can pay for with the basic healthcare sum, or rather the money in your MediSafe would be your MediShield Life premiums, mm. your shield plan premiums, your cashew life, your cashew life supplements, and on top of that, of course, MediSafe monies can be used for certain outpatient treatments, okay? So that's what the big, the money in MediSafe can be used for, and there is that cap, which, as I mentioned, is the basic healthcare sum. Now, as we know that medical inflation is a thing, I know it's definitely quite high in Singapore, mm. So uh, every year to account for this and the fact that, you know, as you age, you will probably spend more uh, on your medical-related expenses. So the government uh, has mandated that your the ceiling, in other words, the maximum you can have in your MediSafe has to be raised every year to keep pace with increasing medical inflation. 
But there is a caveat to that. So that means that, for example, if you turn 65 this year, okay, and this year the basic healthcare sum maximum is 66,000, next year this increase doesn't apply to you. So that is the one caveat. And what if this increase that we're talking about here is that next year the basic healthcare sum will become, will, will be packed at 68,500. So that is the change you need to know. Okay. Thank you for that, Elijah. Now, can you just help me understand what does this indicate about the trends you are seeing in terms of the growth in MediSafe use by elderly? I do think that it will actually, uh, it's going to happen. I think as we we, we are an aging society uh, and I think healthcare costs naturally escalate exponentially in my view as you age because likelihood, the likelihood of you needing to see doctor for medical related reasons is definitely going to be higher. If I may, I'll use my mom as an example. She's actually healthy but then she had a minor stroke last year. So after that, I've been actually bringing her to the hospital for all follow-ups, right? And we have always been asked at the point when we were done with the appointments with the doctor, they always say, would you like to deduct for your MediSafe? Mm-hmm. So her MediSafe has, it's been used right now and actually if she hadn't built out all these years while she was working if she quit to be a housewife if she hadn't built out her medicine all these years it would not be possible to have a sufficient sum yeah. in a medicine for all these deductions her medications her consultation fees all that mm. but even then CPF board has a cap uh, on how much you can deduct from your medicine to pay for all these things mm. so at some point we are now using cash so I think that's also I mean that, that you can argue that why not let MediSafe you know be fully utilized for all these things but government also needs to consider one thing that you know if we allow people to just use MediSafe as and when what if MediSafe gets deducted or depleted completely mm. and you're let's say you're in your 80s you're no longer working. How do you rebuke just in case another medical issue happens down the road, say, when you're 85? Mm. So there is this cap on how much you can withdraw for certain types of services for MediSafe. So, you know, I, I, I mean, just look at my mom. I, I think uh, it's a very stark reminder that, you know, as you age, no matter how healthy you think, uh, yeah. sometimes things just happen. Mm. So that MediSafe plus, of course, things like your integrated shield plan will be there to mm. help you manage the cost. I, I don't think they will completely negate the cost but you have to manage these costs and of course that's what MediSafe is for. Okay, thank you so much for the great analysis, Elijah. Now, this is something I'm quite curious to know. What happens then Hmm. when my MediSafe account is full and I hit the basic healthcare sum? What happens to the funds then? Okay, so let's talk about what happens on 31st of December this year. When you, let's say, okay, I, I myself, I'm already at the basic healthcare sum. Mm. So what happens is that you get interest credited at the end of the year. And because it is, your, your MediSafe account is full at the basic healthcare sum, the long story short is basically this interest will end up going to your special account. Assuming your special account is not already at full retirement sum. Mm. Yeah, so actually hitting basic healthcare sum to me also means that now I will actually start to build my retirement funds faster. Uh, you know, but before that actually like special account and MediSafe account are moving in tandem, but once you hit that basic okay, some your special account starts to build faster. Yeah. Once you hit full retirement sum, then all that extra interest will go to your ordinary account. So that's how it works. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you for that, Elijah. Now looking at the current rate of increase, we're looking yeah. at an average increase of approximately four point seven percent per annum. But is this a worrying sign for the younger crowd? What happens if they don't meet the required basic healthcare sum. 
Well, it is not actually something that needs to be met. In it actually, it's is not like a rule that you must meet it. Because mm. anyway, like when I started working, uh, my medics say pretty much had zero. But over time, as you work, and, and it goes, just goes to show the uh, effect of compounding, right? The interest rate on MediSafe account and special account as well is 4%. And I've just been working and just doing normal contributions. I haven't actually particularly targeted to put like extra cash into my MediSafe. And I have already hit my basic healthcare sum before 40 mm. But for younger ones, I think... The fact is, you are starting work with zero as well, but now the basic healthcare sum is already 68,000 and increasing. So you might need a little longer to hit your basic healthcare sum down the road. Okay. Uh, I don't think that will be a major problem, but one thing that, you know, and, and also a good thing to have is that there was a change to CPF rules this year, whereby you could actually target top up in cash to your MediSafe account, which will help you to accelerate the pace of building up your basic healthcare sum. At the same time, you get tax relief. Wow, okay. Yeah, so this change only happened this year. I see. So uh, I think that can be, I I think perhaps the government is feeling that, you know, what if the basic healthcare sum hits like six figures down the road? Mm -hmm. How would the younger generation easily hit that? So to encourage you, you know, to top up your MediSafe and help you with basic healthcare sum, they allow you to do that and give you tax relief. So that is something that I feel that uh, people can apply. You know, if let's say young younger listeners, you you want to hear your basic healthcare sum some faster, you got some spare cash. Why not? You know, you do this, you get tax relief, and you are earning four percent, and you you know accelerate your pace of building up your MediSafe savings. Mm. So I think all in all, that's actually a good move by the government. Wonderful. Yeah. Right, that's yep. certainly very enticing and tax relief is something that we'll be diving deep into later in the conversation. Now, let's shift our attention over to the next segment, which is something that many of us would be excited to know about and that's the basic retirement sum, the full retirement sum as well as the enhanced retirement sum. Now, Elijah, why not you set the scene for us? Why exactly are there three retirement sums and briefly walk us through the changes we'll be seeing in each of them. Okay, so there are three retirement sums simply because I think unique choice. You need choice for sure. <laughs> yeah. so some people may say that, you know, okay, so the default, when you turn 55, the default amount that will be in your retirement account is the full retirement sum. And so the government gives, probably acknowledges that some people may want more mm. and that's when enhanced retirement sum comes into play. But it is an optional thing. You have to manually inform CPA board that you would like to uh, go for enhanced retirement sum at 55 and then they'll transfer more more funds to uh, your retirement account to help you meet that, that enhanced retirement sum. And then there are some people who say that, no, I don't need so much. I have other sorts of income. Maybe I have rental property and things like that. Uh, I just want to go for the basic retirement sum. And then uh, you inform CPA about that, of course, with property pledging. And then after that, you only need to put 96000 in your retirement account. So I guess this provides options depending on what type of person you are, uh, what, what your circumstances are. So that is the rationale behind three sums. Uh, now, having said that, of course, you, your balances can also lie anywhere between the basic full or enhanced retirement sum. Yeah, so that is how these numbers work. And so next year, well, I guess inflation is a thing this year. It's probably a very uh, a big thing this year. So earlier in the year, during budget 2022, announced that the, the basic retirement sum, full retirement sum, and enhanced retirement sum amounts would be increasing. And they actually gave the exact figures for 2023 all the way through to 2027. So I'm actually looking at the table now and I'll just let you know, this year the full retirement sum was 182000 Next year it'll be $198,800. Wow. 
Yeah. How significant of an increase is this, do you think? And how much higher do you expect it to grow? You talk about their forecast till 2027. But yes. beyond that, how do you see the trend developing? Mm. Okay, so uh, right now for the changes from 2023 to 2027, uh, these sums will go up by 3.5% per year. Moving forward, frankly speaking, I don't, no one will know how uh, Ministry of Finance will, will adjust the, the, will announce these numbers. So I would think it will probably be in line with this 3 to 3.5% increase. Lah. I don't see that them increasing it sharply. In fact, actually, many, many years ago, before this whole concept of basic food enhanced retirement sum was in, there's this thing called the minimum sum. So the minimum sum, of course, is no longer applicable now, but the minimum sum was a certain number that slowly increased over time. And that is the same trend we are seeing now. Basic food enhanced, these are numbers that we acknowledge will have to increase over time simply because of, number one, inflation, and number two, higher cost of living. So I do think that beyond 2027, we, if there are are no exceptional circumstances like black, black swan events. I do think we'll see those figures moving up at a rate of about three to three point five percent a year, conservatively speaking. Okay, three to three point five percent. That's that's my guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a that's a good forecast. Now, then, do you see it growing to an extent where it becomes unrealistic for Singaporeans to hit? Okay, this one will probably not happen in the next ten to twenty years. I feel at some point, yeah, it could possibly grow to very unrealistic extent, but. I think if that's the case, right, the government might actually raise the cap on CPF contributions in the sense that right now the first $6,000 of your wages are subject to CPF, right? So mm. anything beyond that, you don't get CPF contributions on that. Now, if in general, of course, as a society, incomes are going up and things like that, yep. if $6,000 isn't enough to help people realistically hit even the full retirement sum down the road, the government may decide. I feel, but, but this is just my, my hypothesis. Right. The government may decide to increase the cap uh, on, on uh, CPR contributions yep. to say maybe the first $7,000 of your, of your wages. Mm. So that will increase the amount of contributions to your Medistate Special Ordinary, okay. which in turn compound towards helping you hit your basic uh, healthcare sum as well as your full retirement sum. Mm. Now, it's, well, it's interesting to note that um, I, do, I can't remember the full history, but it used to be like the first 5,000 of your CPF, uh, sorry, of your wages was subject to CPF. They dropped it to 4,005 due to, I think, the financial crisis. And now that it went back to 5,000 and now it's 6,000. Yeah. So the government has not, uh, has not actually say no to increasing, you know, this cap on uh, how much you can contribute to your CPF for your wages. Mm. So we could see 7,000, maybe not now, given the, you know, the current state of the economy, but, yep. Maybe say some ten to fifteen years down the road, so that projected CPF contributions can help people hit all these milestones in their CPF by fifty-five. Huh? Mm. Mm. That's certainly yeah. something we'll be keeping a close eye on. Money FM eighty-nine point three. So will our listeners, I'm sure. Now, if you're just joining us, welcome along. Money FM eighty-nine point three. Money and me, and we are in conversation with Elijah Lee, financial services manager at Phillips Securities, and we are talking about CPF. Let's now move over to our contribution and allocation rates in. 2023 because it looks like we've got some good news for employees and that's because the CPF contribution rates will be increased from 1st of January. Now Elijah, take us through the changes we're expecting in the CPF contribution rates next year and your thoughts on this increase. Okay, so next year the increase uh, will actually kick in from 1st January and this applies largely to uh, workers be older than 55. So, uh, for example, um, by wage for the employee, uh, it's a 1% increase, mm-hmm. right? And then the employer gets additional half percent. So, you know, they always try to make the employer match. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
all these increases uh, will apply to pretty much uh, the age bands of 55 to 70. Be above 70, uh, there's no changes. So it's largely between 55 to 70 as people start to work longer. Right. right? So I, I do have clients who are working, um, who are planning to retire at 60, but then they say that ah, maybe I'll work a few more years. So this change will be quite applicable to them. So the changes are not a lot. It's largely like 1% uh, from the employee and maybe half to 1% from the employer. Mm. But the interesting thing to note is that this increase in this contribution rate is going to be fully allocated to special account. Ah. Uh, as we know, after 55, you can actually withdraw your special account uh, once you set aside your full retirement. So, this is a good thing. It helps boost a special account balance. Mm. And knowing that, you know, if you don't need to withdraw it, you know, let's say you're working, you don't need the funds, you just let special account compound. Right. And it'll be compounding with like extra 1% to 1.2% increase in terms of contributions. That's actually a good thing for say when you finally retire at 65. Right. Because you will then have quite a fair bit in your special account again. Okay. Knowing that special account is what at 55 when you form your retirement account. Mm. So this, uh, this is a good way to rebuild it. And I think uh, if you have um, quite a significant sum in your special account, one could actually just take out the interest and, and spend it and then leave the capital behind special account. Mm. Of course, that, that, that depends on the individual mm, circumstances. Right. La. Okay, yeah. yes. And allocation yeah. rates, that's something that we'll dive into in a bit. But just before we get into it, I just want to get your opinions on you know mm. the expectations for the contribution, You know whether it's set to continue increasing and if there is a uh, realistic cap for CPF contribution. Okay, I would think that CPF contribution-wise, uh, 20% for people below age 55 is probably realistic. Mm. Uh, I, if government mandated any more contribution in terms of the percent to CPF, I think a lot of people would struggle, especially now with the cost of living. Because <laughs> right. you take home a lot less, right? Yeah. yeah. So I... I and there was a point many, many, many years ago whereby employer contribution was also 20%. Mm. And I, I can't remember exactly when, but basically you get 40% of your wages to CPF, of which 20% is from you and 20% for employer. Yeah. So that was so many years ago, and then of course it got cut in, I think, many years ago as well, right? It, it dropped all the way, I think, to 15%, mm. and then the government slowly raised it back to 17%. So, you know, I don't... Frankly, I don't think we will ever return to the 20% days. That was like really when Singapore was developing. Mm. To stay competitive, you know, government probably has to find a balance between how much the wage bill of employer must be, including the employer's share of the CPF, as well as how much is you know really needed for to, to make uh, give the, the bulk of workers a good chance at hitting full retirement sum. Mm. So I feel that on the employee side, you will not see any more increases. 20% is probably a very widely accepted cap on the CPF. But for the employer, maybe, you know, it's not 17%, there may be room for maybe one more percent, but mm. we'll see. That's going to have a, quite a big impact on the wage pool, I feel, yeah, for uh, companies, right? Yeah. Already, you can see that, um, I, I believe there were some uh, support packages announced in the budget to help employers, employers, right, to, to uh, take care of this increase in uh, CPF contribution from their side mm. for older workers. Yeah. So I feel that what may happen, and I feel what, what may be good is that if actually, because the employer contribution for age 55 and above is actually quite low, we are looking at like anywhere from 85 to 14.5% right now, and it will increase a little bit next year, as I mentioned, for older workers, there is a little bit of room to go up to raise those employer contribution rates further. And I think if you are actually engaging a 
older but very experienced and very skilled person, there is justification to keep such people employed and, of course, contribute to their CPF as well. Mm. So, on the employee side, I feel that the age 60 uh, age group, which is right now 9.5% in terms of the contribution, I feel that there may be a little bit of room to raise that a bit further. But for people like ourselves, you know, below 55, I don't see, I don't, I don't see uh, major changes coming uh, at this mm. point. But, yeah. Elijah, we're also seeing some changes in the allocation rates. What do you make of these updated ratios and what are some factors that influence the changes we're seeing? So allocation rates-wise, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the contributions for older workers go straight to special account. I, I think it's a sign that uh, government acknowledges that the cost of living and therefore the cost of retirement is going to go up. So I do feel that this is a good move. Uh, personally, I, I would actually like to see that, you know, people have a bit more trust in the system and, and, and rely on CPF for the bedrock of their retirement. I don't think that there is much to say about that other than government is acknowledging the, 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 special, the need for increasing retirement adequacy. La. Yeah. So combined with the increase in the basic and full retirement sums, I think these two changes should be enough for now to help increase the uh, adequacy of retirement for our older workers. Yeah. Wonderful. Trust is something that we need a little bit more, especially in the CPF system. Now, Elijah, previously we talked about the Singapore Retirement Scheme and you've given us some hacks on how it can help us save on taxes. So just very quickly, what about tax savings on CPF and how much can we enjoy in tax relief from our CPF contributions each year? Okay, so for most employed people, uh, your CPF contributions from work already will be counted towards your tax release. And for beyond that, you can do what we call cash top-ups. Okay. okay, so cash top-ups uh, take the form of two kinds of cash top up One is to yourself, your own account. In other words, either your special retirement or Medisave account, okay. depending on what your age is. And that is capped at uh, 8000 Now, you can actually contribute more than 8000 but then any amount above that will not be subject to tax relief. So, for example, like I myself, I contribute 8000 to my special account. Okay, because my uh, Medicaid is already maxed, so I can't do anything about that, right? So, I contribute 8000 to my special account. I could do more, but anything above that will not be subject to relief. I've been doing that all this while. Now, the second part of this tax relief uh, equation in terms of cash top-up is if you contribute towards other people's accounts. So when we say other people's account, we there is a specific group. So for example, parents, grandparents, any handicapped spouse or handicapped siblings. Contribution, contributing to their retirement or special account will mm. actually grant you tax relief as well. And wow. from this year, there was an additional change, which is that you can also contribute to their Medisafe. Oh. So it's either Medisafe or your special or retirement for your loved ones as well. You can also contribute to your spouse uh, or siblings, provided they don't have any annual income exceeding $4,000. Right. Mm. Yeah, so as an example, right, I'm actually contributing to my mom. I've been contributing to my mom all the way, uh, but it's just her retirement account, right, because uh, Medisafe wasn't allowed to this year. So this year, I changed my my strategy and just contributed to a Medisafe. Ah. She's been a housewife, right? So as I mentioned earlier uh, at the start of the show, she we had been bringing her to see the doctors uh, since her, her mouth stroke, and we actually did deplete her Medisafe. It's okay. not a lot, mm. but for peace of mind, you know, she has been a housewife for 30 years, so her Medisafe isn't actually at the basic healthcare sum. Me and my brother 
brother, we decided to just top up her Medisave this year instead of her retirement. Mm. And uh, we've actually built up quite a fair bit again in her Medisave. Okay. And anyway, to us, you know, it's tax relief for her. There's a bit more buffer so yeah. that she can, you know, take care of the medical costs. Mm. Wow. Well, yeah. Madam, Madam Lee is very lucky, Elijah, that you and your brother <laughs> are doing that. Elijah, it's been absolutely fascinating learning so much about CPF and all the updates we can anticipate in 2023. Just before we let you go, what final words or financial advice do you have for our listeners out there as we move into the new year? I would think the end of the year is actually a very good time to do financial spring cleaning. Uh, if I have a minute, I'll just share what I do every end of the year. I actually compute my net worth. That is a one to maybe, okay, for new listeners, maybe an hour to, to find out the data. But for me, it's maybe a 20-minute thing. Now, I think one very interesting thing is to see how your network grows over the years. Yes, investments can go up and down. So maybe your networks may dip during years of financial turmoil. Mm. But if you have seen a trend over the years that your network is increasing, you're probably on the right track. So that is one thing that listeners can do. It's probably not going to take very long, especially now you've got like SG Findex, the, 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 you know, that, that initiative that links yes. up all your bank accounts or that. That yeah. actually helps you to consolidate everything faster. Mm, mm. And I would feel that, you know, just doing a health check at the end of the year, just on your own, on your own network, is a good sign. It, it, will, be, it will give you a good sign of where you are standing and mm. how you're progressing. Mm. And beyond that, then you can probably want to consult some uh, a financial professional for more tips or, or advice to grow your wealth. Mm, yeah. Mm, that's very so that would be my number one tip. Okay, yep. that's sound advice and you heard it here first. Money FM 89.3. Elijah, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've been speaking to Elijah Lee, Financial Services Manager at Philips Securities, all things CPF. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.